Welcome to the Illuminated Word Podcast. In this podcast, we take a reading from Scripture each day. We look at the background material to that passage and also application for us. Once again, welcome to the Illuminated Word Podcast. Welcome to the Illuminated Word. My name is Devin Morris, and today our passage comes from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 16, verses 9 through the end of the chapter, which is uh, about 11 verses here. So we're going to read those. We're going to look at some textual background, which is always fun, and I know everyone enjoys so much, and then we'll do some application. So let's read. Now when he arose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, from whom he had cast out seven demons. She went and told those who had been with him, as they mourned and wept. But when they heard that he was alive and had been seen by her, they would not believe it. After these things, he appeared in another form to two of them, as they were walking into the country. And they went back and told the rest, but they did not believe them. Afterward, he appeared to the eleven themselves as they were reclining at table, and he rebuked them for their unbelief and hardness of heart, because they had not believed those who saw him after he had risen. And he said to them, Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons, they will speak in new tongues, they will pick up serpents with their hands, and if they drink any deadly poison it will not harm them. They will lay their hands on the sick, and they will recover. So then the Lord Jesus, after he had spoken to them, was taken up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out and preached everywhere, while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the message by accompanying signs." So you might have in your Bibles some note. I think the NIV actually has a note within the text. Um, I think the ESV brackets them off and then gives you a note at the bottom. Different versions are going to do it different ways to try to show you that verses 9 through 20 are not in the earliest manuscripts. And what that means is that they were probably not originally written by Mark. And that can be pretty disheartening to a lot of people. Uh, might be confusing. Well, hey, why is this even in my Bible then? Um, so we might need to might need to talk about that for a little bit. Uh, I was given permission by Chris, so you know I have permission, so we can do this. Well, verses nine through twenty. If you look in Howard Marshall's Greek Critical Commentary, he lays out kind of like man the the really um, descriptive notes uh, talking about the textual evidence for why this shouldn't be included in the Gospel of Mark. And man, by and large, most New Testament scholars are going to say that this wasn't in the original Gospel of Mark. And why that's difficult, well, I mean, read verse 8. Let's, let's read verse 8. Let's pretend verses 9 through 20, what we just read, we didn't read them. They're not in the Gospel of Mark. This is how uh, <laughs> the Gospel of Mark would actually end. And they went out and fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. And then you just close up the book, because that's the end of the gospel. Well, that would be a pretty disheartening, you know, you don't get resurrection accounts. You don't see, hey, Jesus really fulfilled all these promises. And and we don't like that. But clearly, I mean, at least textually speaking, that seems to have been Mark's intent. For whatever reason, you don't, you know... There are a lot of suggestions put out there. There's actually a lot of scholarly articles put out 
as to how this is actually a really good ending to Mark's theology. And Mark is is really hoping the reader is going to read into what he's saying to say, oh, well, we know that Jesus has lived and done all these things. Uh, And so it's a much more dramatic effect for Mark to end that way. And if you kind of think, man, throughout Mark's whole gospel, he's he's always saying, and this happened, and this happened, and this happened. And it's meant to kind of be this quick read, and all of a sudden there's this abrupt ending. And because Mark is written really early, um, it's, it's probably meant to just affirm all the things they already knew about Jesus. Mark didn't have to write about, hey, Jesus really did rise from the dead and things like this, because the general you know, Jewish populace would have known that. That's what they had, had witnessed. So it's a pretty interesting way for Mark to have to have written his gospel. So we have verses 9 through 20. We're still going to look at them and read them, but it's probably just good to go ahead and assume they weren't in the original. So beyond the textual reasons, which we would call external evidence, you have some internal evidence, like within the actual words of Mark. Like, for instance, uh, there are 15 words in this section, verses 9 through 20, that aren't anywhere else in Mark's gospel which to have 15 uh, unique words to a section usually kind of points to to text scholars that this wasn't actually Mark writing. You also have in verse 9 a masculine participle, which is meant to be referring to Jesus, even though the last subject of the last clause was a woman. So grammatically, that doesn't match up. Also in verse 9, you have Mary Magdalene being introduced as a new character. You know, it says, uh, in whom he had cast out seven demons. When she's already, she was in the last three episodes of Mark's gospel before we get to this point. The audience who's reading already knows who Mary Magdalene is. So why is he just now having to introduce her? You also have some pretty different type of theology. Speaking in tongues, a confirmation of the gospel through signs, uh, picking up snakes, handling snakes. Those things are more characteristic of Acts than Mark. You think about speaking in tongues happens three different occasions in the in, in the book of Acts. You have the confirmation of the gospel through signs is, is really a, a John-type language. So you can really picture that this is someone who has already read Acts, someone who has already read um, the gospel of John, trying to come in and give Mark a better ending, trying to help Mark out, <laughs> even though that's probably not what Mark wanted. And so these get stuck in then to a lot of later manuscripts. And we're talking like centuries and centuries later. Like there's a big gap between the the short ending and then all of a sudden you have this longer ending being attached to it. But, and this is a pretty important but, is the, the, the rest of the message, uh, actually the whole overall message, syncs up with what we have in the other Gospels. This is not necessarily uh, anything that shouldn't be believed. You know, we we can actually confirm all of this stuff from the other Gospels. Hey, all of these things actually happened. Jesus really did say these things. It's not that someone is coming in at the end of Mark and tying on falsities, trying to create a new Gospel, a new revelation. None of that's happening. Someone's simply trying to come in and give him a better, a better, uh, you know, closing word than he originally had, trying to make it match up more to the other gospels. So what we've got here is is fine. 
A lot of the things we read, we're going to get at the end of John and the end of Luke, and some into the book of Acts. We know that those things happened. So just because Mark, does, some someone else comes along and adds this onto Mark's gospel, doesn't mean we've got to write it off and not believe it. Uh, it would still, it is in, still in that sense inspired, in that it follows along with the the message of the gospel. And what we've got here is really what you know our time should be focused on, and what we're focusing on all this week as we go into Sunday, and David's going to bring us this this message on the Great Commission is we need to be focusing on what Jesus' words here are, which do match up to uh, what you're going to find in Luke and Acts and the book of John specifically. Go into the world, proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Whoever does not will be condemned. And these are signs that will accompany those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up serpents with their hands, and if they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay their hands on the sick, and they will recover. Uh, Undoubtedly, who's ever writing this has read Acts, and they read what Paul does on the island of Malta, picking up a, a poisonous snake and not being harmed by it. And that might not be the best theology to attribute what Paul does in one instance to the rest of what the Christian populace is capable of, um, let alone some, let alone some of these other things, as far as casting out demons and speaking in new tongues, um, those seem to have been things that were specifically for the um, enunciation of the gospel in new areas. That seems to accompany the gospel message definitely. Um, but there is definitely the the first two verses, fifteen and sixteen, that are definitely applicable to us as Christians today. We're going to be going everywhere. That doesn't necessarily mean a different country. It could mean your neighborhood. It could mean your town. It could mean areas of your town you are um, fearful of, specifically. People that really need the gospel and and to proclaim it to everyone. Teaching them to obey what we have from the apostles and to be baptized and to serve God. So don't read the end of Mark and, and just simply say, ah, well... This is some attachment. I don't need to look at it. Nah, everything that's in here really does apply to us. It does match up with what we have in the other messages of the gospel. The message is still true. We are meant to go and proclaim the gospel to all creation. Well, I hope you're looking for ways to love and serve your neighbor in genuine and sincere ways. Peace and love.